The Pat Kenny Show with MasterCard. Share an extraordinary experiences all over the world with priceless cities at priceless.com. This is News Talk. Well, now, a new research carried out by Nottingham Trent University and the University of Lincoln has found a, a link between the personalities of cat owners and the behaviour of their pets. So, if your cat is behaving badly, it might be worth looking in the mirror, as the study found that neurotic owners were more likely to report behavioural abnormalities in their own animals. Pete, the vet is here. Pete Wedderburn, good morning and welcome. Good morning. I love this research. <laughs> do, you, do you believe it? Of course, yeah. I think, I think it's very obvious and natural when you think about it. It actually followed um, their knowledge that neurotic parents were more likely to have children with behavioural issues okay. as they grow up. And we all know that if, you, if you're if you an adult and you have sort of, um, I suppose, psychiatric type, psychological type issues, and you go and talk to therapists, they're going to talk to you all about your, your childhood and about your relationship with your parents. And we all know about the significance of that attachment theory and all that sort of stuff. Well, what they've done is they said, well, could that, given that our pets have a kind of um, child-parent relationship with us in some ways, they're quite dependent on us, we spend a lot of time with them, could the same impact apply to pets as it does to children? And astonishingly, really, and they've actually found that it is actually true. And it means that we vets need to reconsider, perhaps, how we treat pets with behavioural issues. Because you mean you same- might have to treat the, the owner first? <laughs> <laughs> now, that's getting complicated, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so what kind of traits are passed on? So, well, well, basically, they looked at, apparently, there's a thing called the Big Five Inventory in the human psychiatric world, which means five characteristics of being human, which are like agreeableness, conscientiousness, extroversion, um, openness, and finally, being neurotic. And they found that each of those characteristics in a human had a different impact on on the pet, on the cat. Um, And some of them were, were, were not very exciting, such as that people who had personalities that were agreeable were more likely to report they were very happy with the cat and the cat was well behaved and the cat was normal body weight whereas people who are conscientious um, their cats were more likely to have cats that were gregarious and sociable and were less anxious and less fearful and I understand that both of those because if you're an agreeable kind of person well you're going to be a bit more chilled about how your animal behaves and if you're very conscientious well your cat's going to get used to a lovely routine same thing every day and that's very um, very pleasant for a cat they know what to expect but then found though um, the other one that was interesting was the one about people who are neurotic and they found that people who are prone to, to psychological stress themselves and they you know if they experience unpleasant emotions easily if they get angry anxious depressed or if they feel very vulnerable all those things that neurotic people feel um, what they found was that people with cats belonging uh, the cats that belong to those types of people were more likely themselves to display more aggressive and more anxious or fearful behavior and they're more likely to suffer from stress-related diseases because obviously i think in the home there's a sense of a sense of anxiety i suppose yeah. and a sense of unpredictability and that then um impacts on, on the animal um Interestingly, the animals are also more likely to be overweight. And they haven't worked out why that one is, but yeah, mm. fat cats Comfort too. eating. <laughs> Possibly. And my take on it is that animal behaviour is very reactive. I mean, they, they, they don't live in bubbles. They live in communities with us. They are like part of our family. So whatever 
influence we're creating around us, that influence is reflected on them. And essentially, if you talk to a dog trainer, they'll say if you want to train a dog, you should do the same thing consistently day in, day out, day in, day out, and the dog will learn. So obviously what's happening is that humans, by their natural behavior, without trying, they're actually uh, training animals in a certain way that reflects their personality. Mm. Uh, I have friends who are very agreeable, very nice people. They got a dog and from day one, that dog was Satan. (laughs) And it hasn't improved. Yeah, I I guess what we're talking about is tendencies, not absolute rules. I'm not saying that everybody who's got a badly behaved animal is kind of weird themselves or anything. Obviously not. It's a huge genetic influence. If you want to predict the outcome of a dog's or a cat's behavior, then look to the animal's parents, first Mm -hmm. of all, because just as with ourselves, the genetic influence is huge. But what this study really is showing that there is a significant influence from how we interact with our pets. And so we we do need to, if an animal isn't behaving in the way we'd like it to, we do need need to look at how we're behaving towards them. That's really important. Okay, well, that's uh, interesting research. Now, Hmm. the, the questions come flooding in. My cat, who's a rescue stray cat we got when she was four months old, I think she's very clever. We notice that when she's inside and she wants to go out again, she goes to the back kitchen door. uh, And when we ask her if she wants to go out, she shakes her head vigorously like a no and runs straight outside when the door is opened. Is this a yes in cat language? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's probably a yes in your cat language. Um, what you've probably done is you've taught by react by opening the door when she shakes her head, she'll have learned. Hmm. If I shake my head, she opens the door, and so it has been something. Become so something. You've it's your own her. language, your own yeah. internal domestic language. Um, I have six cats outside, and one's one that comes into the house. I hear them sneezing a lot, and I'm wondering about cat flu and what do I do if that's what it is, or do you just leave them to shake it off themselves? <clears throat> this is difficult. It probably is cat flu. Um, kittens should be vaccinated against cat flu, um, and that means two viruses, one called caliche virus, one called herpes virus. If they're not vaccinated, then they do remain vulnerable to it. Now, cat flu can come through a, um, a bunch of cats and, and cause deaths, but more likely it will just cause a chronic, snuffly, sneezy kind of illness. And it's a bit like cold sores in humans. The herpes virus one is, in that they get better, and then if they get stressed at all, then it comes out it comes out again, and so they start to sneeze and snuffle and so on. So it's very, very common in a feral cat-type environment, where uh, and perhaps this sounds a bit like that, where the cats haven't been vaccinated, um, that they will all be vulnerable to this, and they probably will all end up with a chronic sneeze. It's difficult to know what to do. Um, to some extent, you just have to leave them to it. Um, you know, Otherwise, it's a case of catching all the cats and taking them to the vet for mm. regular treatments with with. Um, ointments and you can get antiviral medications and there's different levels yeah, to which you can yeah, take feral it. cats are not going to happen. The main thing I'd be doing is keeping an eye on to make sure that they're all eating well and that they're reasonably comfortable and probably for cats at a semi-free range then that's probably the best thing you best answer. I have a Yorkie who screeches when we meet other dogs walking on leads. How can I stop him making such a racket? It's very embarrassing. I have to block his eyes if we meet another dog. <laughs> yeah, some dogs do have this habit of screeching. I had one in with me this morning. Piddled and screeched when, 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 when she got very anxious. Um, it is difficult because um, it is down to fear. Your dog is obviously very frightened of other dogs and expressing that in a very vocal way. So the answer to it would be to try and get the dog used to other animals. That's quite a big project um, and it would be best to work with a behaviourist to do that. The general idea would be that you would be keeping other dogs at a distance while you interact with your little dog, giving her praise and treats mm-hmm. and so on. And you gradually reduce the distance the dogs are from, are from you in favour of those compounds in parks uh, where dogs are allowed to run 
uh, where, I mean, they, they do socialise a, a bit uh, yeah. in that process. I'm in favour of dog parks as long as there's a dog warden there all the time to act as a referee. And that's what they have in New York Central Park. And that works brilliantly. The problem in a place like like a lot of Irish dog parks is there's nobody supervising. And what that means is it leaves it open to people with big bully-type dogs who dominate other animals. And they can actually make a little dog like this far, far worse because you can have owners... Mm who don't seem to care that their dog is making a yeah, mess I saw of itself. In Marley Park, they've now divided the park into one section for small dogs and the other for large dogs. That's, that's exactly why they've done that. So I, I think dog parks have their place, but, but they're also quite dangerous for, for dogs that are fearful. We've adopted a female lurcher aged approximately 18 months old. Uh, what do you recommend in terms of spaying? When to do it? Any alternatives to surgery? <clears throat> there are alternatives to surgery. I like... Um, regular injections or tablets, but they, they do tend to have side effects that, that can cause other complications. So spay It's like would, a contraceptive injection uh, for the female. Exactly, the same type of idea. You're kind of messing with the dog's hormones, if you like, and, you know, um, it's simpler just to remove the hormones by spaying. Um, so I would say go ahead and do it now. Um, one of the main reasons for spaying is that it prevents mammary cancer, or breast cancer. It prevents it. So if they're spayed before their first season, it prevents it like 99.9%. And there's an, the, there is a positive effect of preventing mammary cancer until the bitches had four or five seasons. So the sooner you get it done, the better. If they're over five or six years of age, there's probably less of an incentive to do it at to that point. Uh, please ask Pete uh, why my black and white indoor cat pees in her litter but poos elsewhere. This has been going on for a while and we don't know what to do. She also regularly chirps. <laughs> I love chirping cats. It's a very kind of uh, uh, pleasant sort of noise, isn't it? Mm. It's like an extension of a purr. Um, why is she doing? Why is she peeing and pooing in different places? I'm not quite sure. That's an unusual one. The obvious answer is, it's because she wants to do that. So I would be saying to you, make sure you provide enough litter trays. So the rule of thumb is one litter tray per cat plus one extra. So if you've got one cat, that means you need two litter trays um, because they always like to somewhere clean to go and sometimes they do like to go in different places. It's also very important as to what's visible from the litter tray. So sometimes, for example, if a litter tray is in front of a window where cats outside can look in, a cat um, might feel it's not private enough to poo. Yeah. They might think a quick piddle they can, they can manage, but when they poo, they've got to settle down there, chill out and get quite vulnerable and they don't like being watched when that happens. So try moving the litter tray somewhere else. And also, you could also consider trying a different type of substrate because some cats like peeing in some sorts of gravelly stuff and they like pooing in other kind of more pellety stuff. A, a final question. We have to move out of our house for renovations for about six months and we don't know what is the best solution for our cat. He's an outdoor, indoor cat, sleeps inside most of the day, but loves being outside to roam the fields and hunt. We live in a rural area. Should we put him into a cattery for the six months or bring him to our rental property or leave him at the house. He's a cat flap and a bed in the garage and we would be here every day to feed him. I'm worried a cattery long term would destroy his soul and if we bring him with us, he will disappear. Well, I'm not sure about cat souls, first of all, but I do know what you mean. It would it would be a, a big stress for him, in, however it was, being in an entirely alien environment like that. And taking him with you is also, I can agree, there's challenges there because um, cats like their home territory and he might want to go back to his original home territory. So I, I would suggest that the best thing is 
exactly what you said yourself, a cat flap, a bed in the garage, and you come and see him every day. He'd probably adapt to the people who are around. He'd, he'd learn to like them. And um, I would say he could be quite a contented cat while there's stuff going on okay. around him. Pete the Vet, thank you very much uh, for joining us. 